Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 437. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am Jason Moore Aguilhart. Man, I'm just James. Man. Lord JMI. Th- that I will take. Yeah. <laughs> You're, I'm an agent, you're a lord together. Uh, we're like a, the best department store you've never been to. Lord exactly. and agent. Lord and agent. It's yeah. beautiful. We sell everything nerdy. Yeah. Uh, James, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. Yes, How you doing? it has been. I have been great. I've just been, you know, really busy with the show and different things coming Which out. Which show? So I've been this wonderful Broadway, little Broadway show, that the show that could, called Hamilton, <laughs> and uh, working on some cool stuff like uh, Disney's DuckTales, which comes out April 4th. But, you know, let's not do any more commercials about me. Oh, why not? It's so much fun. You you get to do cool stuff outside here, then bring yes. that action, bring that adventure Most onto the show. It's very exciting. Thank you. Um, we're going to have a really fun show. I'm excited yes. about it because, uh, of course, there's a bunch of big things that we're going to talk about Definitely. Uh, across you know, this week in Marvel, because that's what we do. We talk about all the things that are happening across Marvel, whether it's comics, movies, television, video games. Or toys. Or toys. We do have a really yes. great bunch of toy stuff to talk this about. This is so awesome. I should not be here right now. My <laughs> wife's going to be really, really pissed <laughs> off because she knows they're going to end up in our house. And, uh, of course, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite Marvel characters and X-Men characters, Cable, uh, uh, which is going to be fun. The Summer's Kid. Yeah. And we're going to have writer Jerry Dungan to talk about Cable, nice. the new title, also uh, the other books that he's writing. He's mm-hmm. going to be on the show later. But for now, things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. Nicely done. Thank you. Uh, all right. So first things first, of course, there was a giant new big final trailer for Marvel Studios Black Widow released this week. I am so excited. I know. We've watched it separately, but yes. we wanted to do something fun. We're going to... Bring the um, the trailer up, and we're going to watch it and give our reactions as we go along with it. Uh, so, dear listener, if you would like to do the same, you can go to the Marvel YouTube channel, put it on, come back, and we're going to press play. <laughs> Three, two, two one. one. All right. And uh, the sound is off on our end, just so you don't hear that audio. Um, yeah, I... Yelena is going to blow people's minds. I'm sorry. I have a feeling she is just going to be so, so cool. And I love the dynamics, especially in this trailer, between Black Widow and Yelena. For someone to talk to her like she's a normal person, like they don't even care that she's Black Widow. It's really, really cool. I know. And then there's all these other widows and then Taskmaster. Like this trailer is like, boom, 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 boom. Here we go. I also love the fact that um, Taskmaster looks so cool in the trailer. He looks wonderful. I think in this trailer, we get to see Taskmaster even using more weapons. Like, there's the bow and arrow shot yeah. that comes a little bit later. But it's the flex of the claws. The flex, oh, the of, the flex claws. of the claws. The flex of the claws. And, like, literally, I was watching it, and I was like, <gasps> Yes, right he, there, right there, yeah, right there. Yeah, I was like, he... And then that flip. That yes. flip. Uh, and then, like, the, the quips between uh, Yelena and Natasha as they're driving yeah. was so good. And then all the Red Guardian stuff, like... Finding these new characters? I am trying not to have an emotional moment before the movie comes out (laughs) because I know what Taskmaster can do. And every time I see the Red Guardian fight him, I'm like, and Marvel always kills somebody I love. And I'm I'm like, already worried. I'm already worried. This trailer also shows you, oh, yeah, there's like the family stuff. There's the big stuff. There's the small stuff. Then there's the giant special effects things that you love from the MCU. That whole sequence in like the snowy area. And everything. And then this was my favorite part of the whole trailer. Yes. The the family moment at the end. The family moment at the end was great. Because you have to see a dynamic of, yes, they are badasses when it comes to fighting. But when they're not whooping each other's ass, they're literally just a family. And I was like, I love that. Yeah. I love Alexi and just everything that's going on in in the trailer. It looks fantastic. 
fantastic. I'm highly, highly excited about this. Yeah. Fortunately, we're less than two months away yes. from the release of Marvel Studios Black Widow, which is May 1st. It's going to be very exciting. This, and you go to the movies, and you see the big trailer on the screen. Right. That's one of my favorite things. Is like, yeah. This trailer, we're, we've just watched it. It's great. Everybody's watching it on their phones, on TV. But when you see it on the screen, and that, that sky scene is what I'm waiting for. James, you ready to talk about Avengers Campus? Come on. Of course I am. Avengers Campus, I mean, Avengers Centralized Assembly Mobilized to Prepared Unite and Safeguard, or Avengers Campus for short, which will be at Disney California Adventure, uh, which we got finally tons more information. I yes. am wearing an Avengers Campus t-shirt today. Whoa, that is so cool. The part of what I think you and I both love about going to a Disneyland or a Walt Disney World is like the immersiveness, right? Yes. Completely. And we've just never had it in this realm for all the superheroes. Yeah. So they are going to be telling us this cool story as soon as you walk in. It's like, boom, here you go. You get to see, uh, you know, like the Spider-Man attraction. You get to see Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. That is the one thing I'm looking forward to. <laughs> always wanted to be in there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there's going to be a freaking Quinjet I know. There. I know. Any, anybody who's been to Galaxy's Edge... And seeing those ships, that's one thing. Oh, my gosh. But to see an actual Quinjet is, yes. I'm going to, yeah. So, of course, the big attraction is going to be Web Slinger's A Spider-Man Adventure. Yes. We did reveal that it's going to actually have this wild technology that recognizes your body movements and your <sighs> gestures. So, you know, you'll be able to Web Sling. As, that is Right? The, yes. That, <laughs> I mean, for any kid, I'm going to say this, for any kid in their 30s and 40s, <laughs> and you just walked around a playground just going, yeah. looking ridiculous. Yep. And the fact that you actually get to do this yep. is quite cool. My gosh. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and the the best part is it's going to keep track of how many spider bots you're able to hit, you know, when you thwip, you yes. web, boom, 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 and they're worth different points on the stuff. So I know when I go to the parks, my wife and I, we love to do the Toy Story Mania. Yes, exactly. Right? Oh, my God, yes. And my wife, she's very like, okay, I take aim and I fire. Take aim and I fire. And I'm like... Whoa. No, 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 no. Don is the like same way. Yeah, she's she's very meticulous, and I'm just like shooting. Uh, so that's going to be the big one that we're all going to get excited for. We're going to get into. Um, there's going to be the PIM Test Kitchen. Yes. Uh, which I, when I was at D23 Expo, they had this cool part in the in the expo showing off. There was I think a giant pretzel and a giant cup or a giant can showing that like the idea behind it is Hope is experimenting with size changing stuff, and so she's like boop. This is going to enlarge. Boop, this is getting large. So you get like a giant pretzel or a drink or whatever. So that's going to be super fun. And if All I see is some child walking out. You remember you know, the, you know, the Flintstones moment where there's like a brontosaurus ribs on the top of the car? I just see some tiny kid walking out with a pretzel that's bigger than them. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. There's going to be special adult beverages in a of souvenir course. Pim Beaker, which yes. that's going to be fun. Uh, there's also going to be something called Terran Treats, which the collectors opened up a little sweet spot nearby. Ah. I love, though, that, like, they find ways to incorporate all the Disney magic, so yes. to speak, mm -hmm. and, but still do it with our superheroes and characters and stuff yes. like that in really fun ways. It's almost like once you give the Imagineers the, the property, they do their best to delve into the property and make the fan feel like they are surrounded by their favorite thing, which yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah. Speaking of favorite things, how about characters? Because they are bringing out so many more characters now. Oh, my gosh, now. yes. Spider-Man with a new specific suit. I am looking forward to that. The suit yeah. is really cool. They had a, they had it on a mannequin at D23 yeah. Expo, and it was like instantly recognizable as Spider-Man, but something that is very specific to this attraction, to this 
the story. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have Iron Man and a Mark 80. Oh. How about this? General Koye. Now, listen, I'm not. There's a moment. There's a moment in me as the little kid who used to walk around the park looking for someone who looks like them. But for that woman to be there and to be training, and if it's anything like some of the other training things they've done in some of their other parks, I can't wait to see little kids being trained by this woman. Oh I think gosh. it's going to be fun. It's going to be so good. Of course, Black Widow, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Doctor Strange, Guardians, Black Panther, Thor, and then Taskmaster. <laughs> Come on, man. That's just like the icing on the cake. Yeah. Mic drop. See yes. ya. Yes. I think it was when we were there last, we met... Captain America, we yes. did a whole thing, and Lorraine said Hail Hydra to him. <gasps> and he was he was just, it was like a change. He was like, oh, no, no, this this person is wrong. And he oh. was like, so good. So good. Yeah. Do they have a genie character that is um, in the parks? No, they do have a genie character, but genie's there. Genie just doesn't talk. Got it. Uh, That's the best way. Genie doesn't speak. So it was always funny when the genies met me. Yeah. Because you they, originated the role yeah, of the genie on and Broadway. And so what they would do is they would hug me, and I always let them know. I say, hey, you know, I wouldn't be here without you, genie, because I'm meeting the genie. So I always let him know that I was portraying him on Broadway. So I look forward to meeting, you know, these specific characters before they go back to, you know, their specific cities and, you know, save them from whatever they're going through. Yeah, they have a Quinjet. They've got to get from place to place, place, and there they go. Doctor Strange, we've seen. He opens up the portals, folks, and just walk right through, get to where they need to get to. Man, what I wouldn't give. That's going to be my problem, me forgetting that I'm a person and talking to Doctor Strange and going, help me learn! And he's like, sir, move along, move along. (laughs) (laughs) James, how about we talk about some comic book? I'm with it. Shang-Chi is coming back to Marvel in June. Yes. Uh, And so the New York Times announced that this week we have a new Shang-Chi limited series. It's going to be written by uh, award-winning writer Jean Luen Yang, uh, who has done some amazing work. I've read uh, American Born Chinese, which is his work he did probably about 10 years ago now. Really? And then he's he's worked for our Distinguished Competition and other stuff. But amazing, amazing writer. Drawn by DK Juan with uh, Philip Tan. DK's been doing a bunch of stuff for us lately. Philip Tan has got this wildly cool, vibrant, and amazing art style. It does a lot of covers as well, but it also worked on um, the Black Order series within the last year or so. I don't know his work. I got to check this yeah, out. Yeah, very cool. cool. And so this run is going to be about five issues. It's going to explore Shang-Chi's past, you know, get into the family, the betrayals, the justice, all that stuff, which is, I think, is the perfect thing we need because we know Marvel Studios has a Shang-Chi film, you know, down the pike. And so everybody's like, well, who is this character? What do they do? We have a bunch of classic stories which people can read, but here's something that is current, modern, presents the character in a a new way. He's one of the best, you know, fighters in Marvel comics. He's the... Master of I Kung mean, Fu. Come on, man. Uh, just so cool. <laughs> There's some really great classic books that I, I've loved. But like even in recent times, he was he showed up in the Domino series as a trainer for Domino. That was like a year and change ago. That was really cool. He taught Spider-Man how to do uh like Seriously. Yeah, he taught Spider-Man with like that was like five or so years ago. He just shows up, he's been in Agents of Atlas and um some other books of late, but I'm very excited for this. And that again is coming in June. That's gonna be dope. On a more somber note, we want to express our condolences to the family and friends and fans of artist Alan Bellman. He was a Golden Age artist who passed away at the age of 90 this week. Um, and the earliest credited work I found for him was as inker for an Angel story. Angel is the um, the like noirish crime fighter from the, the Golden Age. The story in Marvel Mystery Comics number 26 
the title of the story is the best. It's the case of the armless tiger man. <laughs> armless tiger man is what is what you expect. He's an armless fighter dude. Yeah. Wild, weird character who then actually ended up continuing to show up in comics. He's probably been around in the last like 15, 20 years, popped That's up amazing. in a book or two. But that was in late 1941. Whew. He worked on about 200 stories for Marvel from, when I say Marvel, it's Timely and then a little bit of Atlas yeah. from 1941 to 1953. Brad Meltzer, a friend of the show, a writer, wonderful dude, he posted a really nice thread about Alan on Twitter, um, which we'll put in the notes, and really just talked about how Brad came to know Alan through a number of things, and Alan was so supportive of different endeavors that we were that he was trying to do yeah. for the comics industry, for creators, for different people. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing on Twitter, just people like remembering their interactions with Alan, who would go to comic book conventions, who would, you know, sign books, who would do sketches, even into like the last couple of years. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. So, um, you know. Uh, but to be doing what you love and to be doing it in comic books for that long, that is a blessing. That is an absolute blessing to say, what do you make your living? I make my living drawing and writing comic books. And I was there at the beginning. That's he really that's, was, that's awesome. too. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. And once again, uh, we mourn the loss of Alan Bellman. But James, you know someone else who does something that they love and gets to do it all the time? It's our friend Ryan Ting from Hasbro. Yes. Uh, and so what was really cool, we had Ryan in the office recently um, because – it's the time of the year where all the toy companies show off all the new stuff that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, for Hasbro, they had a ton of Black Widow merch. They had a bunch of new Marvel Legends. They had some other stuff, some secret things. But they also had a really cool line of hyper-detailed X-Men movie oh, franchise figures. These look so good. Right? These look so good. You know, it's the they're in the Marvel Legends line, but they've never done the movie characters no. as Marvel Legends. Yes. This was really neat because... We've never had Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. We've never right. had Patrick Stewart as Professor X or uh, Bolin as you know Cable. Yeah. Oh, th- that Cable. Figure. That Cable. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's My that. God. <laughs> or like a screen accurate Deadpool. Yes. So there are six of these figures. What? Which one is your favorite? To be honest, I, I'm I'm loving Deadpool, but the fact that Patrick Stewart looks so much, it's awesome, man. Right? To see Professor X, but see Patrick Stewart's face. Yeah. And um, what's funny is I just got to meet the man in December. He was doing his one-man show of A Christmas Carol. And to for him to get his just due, this is a great tribute to him. What did you guys awesome. talk about? Oh, I pretty much just, I literally cried and praised him. <laughs> I was in tears going, I just want to thank you for what you've done. And I'm such a fan. And he was like, wonderful, nice, blubbering African-American man. I'm going to walk off now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seeing his face is important because Hasbro actually has this technology that they were able to face map for yeah. the actors' likenesses onto the figures, and it looks so good. I literally am looking at the Magneto one for the first time. Right? And there's, of course, a cable, as you mentioned, that is going to tie into our episode's conversation a little bit later. Yes. Uh, but for now, Lorraine Sink, our other co-host, is going to help me talk to Ryan Ting about these figures and what Hasbro's got going on. Ryan, hello. Hello, Ryan. Oh, this is too many Ryans. Hello, Lorraine. (laughs) Hi. Hey, let's talk about it. You have at least five words in your title. What does that mean? 
So those words would be senior manager, global product development, and marketing, I think. That Did was a quiz, it? and you got it right. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I work for Hasbro, uh, basically doing global brand management. We lead the cross-functional teams and help make the toys and develop all the marketing that goes around the world. So this may be your first podcast, and we are thankful that you've come to us with that. But how long have you been with Hasbro? I've been with Hasbro for uh, a little over six years now, yeah. working on Marvel specifically since 2015. So been on the business for a couple years now, and um, I have the great pleasure to work on the Marvel Legends line, and I've been doing that ever since. So what is the process of making a Marvel legend? The way I describe it to people is we are operating in three years at any given time because we're concerned with the, the product that's currently in market and getting the fan reaction sales data. We're putting the finishing touches on the next year's product line, and then we're getting downloads as they come in from the movies coming out in two years. So right now we're, we're hearing more about the 2021 films and starting to line plan, You know, working with the great partners uh, at Marvel Studios for, for reference and planning the line and just starting to develop the toys. So it's uh, you know a lot at once, but uh, keeps us busy. That's for sure. I love the, that also with the Marvel Legends that you do. Yes, you're, you guys are working with Marvel Studios and you're coming up with the, you know, based on a lot of the stuff in the films, but you're also bringing in comic inspired, you know, figures and, and looks and stuff like that, which is just the possibilities are endless. Yeah, we try to tie into recent storylines, but then there's, you know, an endless wealth of classic characters who maybe have never had a Legends figure before. So every couple of times a year, we get to introduce new characters who we've never before had an action figure form. And then you've got the kind of standard bearers, Avengers, X-Men that we constantly do. The Fantastic Four back in a big way. So we have a new Fantastic Four wave out right now, and the fans seem to be eating that up. I'm loving the new Doctor Doom and She-Hulk figures. Doctor Doom and She-Hulk are respectively two of our favorite characters. We'll we'll send some out to you. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, One of my favorite Doom toys was from, it must have been like five or six years ago. It was, I think, a three and three quarter Marvel Universe figure, but he came with his gun. And I've always been fascinated by Doom's handgun because, like, what does Dr. Doom need a handgun for? (laughs) That is the most terrifying gun in the world. I love that accessory. I love uh, one of those little things. Yeah. You have Hasbro. We have that in the six inch one, too. It seems a little like. Extra, like, but do you really need Doom that? is but... a little extra, so that, like, shakes out. Sure is. I'm curious if you have a favorite sort of deep-cut character, because I was so shocked. I think a year or two ago, you had, like, the Living Laser was one of the toys, and I was like, what? Yeah, so... A bunch. I mean, I'm probably the biggest X-Men fan um, in terms of comics, so I've gotten to squeeze a couple of my favorite characters into the line. So we've revealed Sunspot from X-Force in this classic one. So that was that was one that I campaigned hard for, and we we snuck him in the line. So that's a good example. I loved the old Toy Biz Sunspot. Yeah. So it was one of my favorites. In the comics right now, Sunspot has a major role in the New Mutants book. We should try to get one, a Sunspot, if, and a Cannonball. If you ever do a Cannonball, Sunspot and Cannonball – to Jonathan Hickman, the like head of all the X comics right now, he would lose it. Those are his jams. Well, we have Cannon. Yeah, Cannonball came out last year, right? And he had the the cool the stand, right? Just, it did. It caused it was a divisive issue because dun, dun, dun. half of the people said, "Where are his legs?" And the other half said, "Well, we really appreciate you guys doing something new and giving him the blast effect. We couldn't put both, so we had to make a choice. And yeah. half the people loved it, and the other half not so much. But that's kind of how it goes. I think he looks cool. When yeah. he's just standing there, he's like Sam Guthrie. And when he's <laughs> flying through the air, yeah. then he's Cannonball. <laughs> yeah. He's nigh invulnerable when he's blasting. Yeah. Will there ever be another? I think there was one years ago, a Sugar Man figure. 
As an X-Men fan, can you give me Sugar Man? We actually do have him coming out, yeah! Ryan, just for you. Uh, yeah, we work closely with uh, you know Jesse Falcon, and he's a big fan of the, the AOA universe, and so we have a full wave this year. And it's all AOA, so you've got yes. Dark Beast, yes. you've got Weapon X with yes. his you know one hand missing, and of course the Build-A-Figure is a gross but awesome Sugar Man. <gasps> he's kind of like... A bowling ball on two little legs with four arms and, with uh, and a hammer. Oh, yeah. he's so, so slimy and beautiful. If you beautiful. see, the, I can show you the pack out fig- the pack out images, but uh, it's such a big figure that the window box is like completely bursting at the seams <laughs> to get Sugar Man's pieces in there as the build of figures. But speaking of X Men, there were a ton of debuts at Toy Fair for X Men. That's right. We had you know more comic favorites. We were putting out a new Rogue in, in her more modern look here in her uh, green look here, which I'm, I'm turning this or my computer around. To yeah, show you guys. I love that look. It's, it's just so cool. The green and the white. And she got some pouches. Always need pouches. Is that a classic Storm? It is. This is a first appearance Storm from yeah. Giant Size. Number one, it's kind of uh, her most desired look that we have yet to do in Legends form. So those are two of, I think, the highlight of the comic figures. But the thing that I was most excited to reveal at Toy Fair were the movie-based X-Men figures. So for the first time in Marvel Legends for Hasbro, we're activating against these in a big way. And so some of these um, characters you might recognize. This was the one that Dwight Stahl, you know, his heart had been set on for many, many years. And for our listeners who don't know, Dwight is sort of like, I always see you guys together. Yeah. It's weird to not see Dwight next to you. Right? We are. We're, we're best buds. No, uh, Dwight is the senior design manager at Hasbro on, on Marvel and um, – um, he is shepherd in this glorious age of, of Legends, uh, six inch for the past couple years. So, um, you know, Dwight and the team do a fantastic job. Ooh, this, look at that boy. This Wolverine is so excellent in his, like, classic white tank top, muscles ablaze. He looks fabulous. We've got his adamantium claws and his kind of, you know, aggressive face. And there's also, in this same item, it comes with alternate hands with his bone claws and a more stoic, you know, contemplative hue Aww. here. You know, super excited for this. We've got a couple of Wolverines. We're doing um, a Mystique, which looks great. <gasps> cool. Great deco. Kind of that uh, very first X-Men film version yeah, the, of her there. The full blue body. Yep. And then um, some of my other favorites from this line, of course, you know, from recent history, we've got this gentleman here. That's oh, Mi- Mr. Pool. <laughs> you know, I, I forget that we haven't had a, a movie accurate, like really cool Marvel Legends Deadpool who's perfect for the line. That's right. We've done so many Deadpools. We've done symbiote Deadpools, blue Deadpools, right? <laughs> and we've never done the movie, but it was really fun to get to him. And then you can't have Deadpool without his, you know, sarcastic kind of sidekick here, Negasonic, Teenage Warhead. And then we have Cable and Domino. So there's some of my, you know, I'm looking forward to those the most, probably as a big cinematic and, and comic X-Men fan. It's kind of a, a perfect time now to be not just a fan, but for you to be working on, like, the toy box has sort of opened up wider and bigger than ever. It has. I mean, we're going into the past a little bit with these cinematic X-Men, but then moving forward to, like, we hear all about this new content coming from Disney+, and then, you know, all the stuff that's happening in the comics, they keep us plugged in on, on latest types of costumes and stuff. So it's a tough balancing act, but it's it's really fun, and, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of a dream to work on it, honestly. You know, Lorraine and I we hear from fans all the time and whenever we talk about toys they're like I wanted this do you get a lot of that like request from fans of just like make me this toy this one thing 
We do. Like I just did with you to you with Sugar Man. <laughs> well, I was my dreams come true, Lorraine. <laughs> I'm happy when the when we can actually fulfill those. You know, a lot of times we we can't for for you know there's just not enough space. But they, that's probably the most gratifying thing. Like you're at a comic con and someone comes up to you and they say, "Have you ever considered this character?" And then I know it's coming because it's in the line, but I can't tell you yet. <laughs> so it's like, oh, stay positive. You know, one day maybe who knows? And then when we reveal it in a big way, they go crazy. We did that with. The strong guy build a figure uh, last year because that's been there's there was one guy every year he got to the point where he wouldn't even say anything he would just yell strong guy and walk <laughs> away so it's like the strong guy guy every year we see him and then last year we finally got to you know make it happen for him did he come up and say thank you yeah he was pretty Aww. he was pretty uh you know happy and so that's that's the best but you know I'm wondering for you what is it like because you get to do a lot of things like toy fair or conventions what is toy fair especially like for you. New York Toy Fair every February is interesting because Hasbro has its own showroom. So we're a little bit apart from Javits, but Hasbro has so many great brands and we're all together down in the showroom. Really great energy. You know, Marvel always has a big statement. This year we had everything from Maximum Venom to Black Widow to the Avengers video game, which are the big entertainment initiatives. And then Legends, of course, with our, you know, comic and movie um, line that seems to grow more and more every year. And we love partnering with you guys to do some great partnerships there as well yeah. yeah so one of the cool things that y'all at hasbro do is the Haslab, which is this cool crowdfunded like epic items i think there was unicron which i cried inside because of you know new york city apartment i can't put like a two and a half foot unicron you don't have room for that i don't i would lo- believe me <laughs> i would love to I looked at it and I like. Ryan it would have me. to get rid of a cat. And uh, that is not happening. Cat <laughs> well, first. You can't have that. Unicron second. Well, you yeah, and for Unicron you need two because you need to have one in the robot mode and one in the planet mode. Naturally, right? I mean, look, if, if they just happen to arrive <laughs> at my house, I'll find a way for them. But I had to step back. But. Is there something coming with Marvel? Yeah, so you know we can't share too many details, but we did have a fun teaser video at Toy Fair that you know it's going to be X Men related and it's going to be huge and it's going to be awesome and more news to come. Where do people stay tuned for updates on that? Tune into the Hasbro Pulse on Instagram as well as the the website. They have a blog, and so you know that covers all the Hasbro brands, but. Uh, Marvel is, is a big one of them, and we we do a lot of great teases and a little nods to the fan. I try to get clever with with fans sometimes, and um, so yeah. Um, I don't know if you can speak to this, but there's a Maximum Venom line coming. There is Maximum Venom, uh, the upcoming animation. So we have both a kid line and some Marvel Legends for it. In the kid line, we, the coolest things are these uh, Venom Burst collectibles, which are basically like two figures in one. And um, there's an outer figure that's a soft, pliable material, and it has all this ooze on the inside. And then you squeeze it, and the ooze comes out of its mouth. And then there's a mystery little slug figure on the inside. So yeah. I don't like yeah. any of the words symbiotes. you're saying. It sounds gross. <laughs> That's so gross. We have that. There's some uh, Titan Hero Series figures. We've got Venomized versions of Captain America, Hulk, Miles, Ghost Spider um, in the kid line. There's a there's a great kid mask, a Venom mask with a tongue that kind of hangs down below. There's a feature figure, a Venom ooze figure. Again, more slime if you don't like it or yeah, ooze. Yeah, I like um, slime. It's so gross. And then for Legends, we've got, a, we've got a few as well. We have a Venomized cap, six-inch Legends, so totally Venomized. His shield has that symbiote all over it. And then uh, we have an additional Legends wave later this year. And so we have a Miles and Gwen as uh, Ghost Spider and their Venomized versions. So a lot of great Maximum Venom product for this year. That's right. It's fun because we're talking about stuff now, but you're in next year probably. You're in like... Yeah, the 2021 line is more or less 
more or less locked for Legends. We, we have to sort out some of the waves for the later in the year, but then pretty soon we're going to start having 2022 meetings, which is hard to believe because you start to see your product on now that are 2020 and it's in market now, but that was like in the future for so long, but now the future is the present and then the, right? So it's all... It's confusing. This got strangely philosophical. (laughs) When will then be now? Soon. What is it like for you? Because you're a Marvel fan and, you know, whenever you work with product, you have to learn some of the storylines. You learn what characters are coming in the films. Is every movie ruined for you and how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, some of the beats, actually, we don't know until the very end. Like, the story behind Endgame is we had this top-secret Hulk, you know, nano-gauntlet in development in several products for a while, and you couldn't talk about it. You couldn't have it on any slides or anything because it was such a big holdback. And then we're sitting there watching the film. Hulk tries the power gauntlet. It doesn't quite work. Okay. And then at the very end, you know, spoiler alert for listeners out there, but right when Tony gets the gauntlet, like, we had no idea that that beat with Tony was happening. So we're, we still get surprises, too. Um, we, we know generally kind of what happens, but how you ultimately get to the end, we don't always know. And then sometimes we can go back and correct that with product in the future to address anything that we might have missed. You know what? It is about the journey, right? Part of the journey is the end. Okay. <laughs> and that's a wrap for us. Ryan, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Ryan Ting uh, and these figures from the X-Men Marvel Legends line uh, dropping fall 2020. Yes. But right now we have new issues of comic books out, which we talk about on Marvel's Pull List, my other show. And the top books from this week are Thor number four, Avengers number 32, Immortal Hulk number 32, and Cable number Number one, one. which is great. Uh, It feels fitting that we be talking about it this week. It's almost like we planned this out. You know, I mean, we try to schedule things at the right time. That's right. <laughs> uh, if you want to subscribe to Marvel's Pull List, you can wherever you get your audio podcasts. That includes Pandora. And you can watch video versions on Marvel.com, including the most recent video version, which is an ASMR video. Wow. I didn't know you guys did those. That's really cool. Before we get into the cable of it all with well Jerry done. Duggan, thank you. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about Marvel Unlimited because we have something cool. We have a special message about our digital comics mega library in MU. And that is, um, you know, when you subscribe to MU, you get access to over 27,000 Marvel comics at this point, including, I mentioned earlier, I think some of the books that Alan Bellman worked on, yeah. the old classics going way back to the 40s. They're in Marvel Unlimited. Stuff six months ago, Amazing. that's in Marvel Unlimited. So you get a lot. And you can read books in Marvel Unlimited on an app, on your desktop browser, wherever it is. Immortal Hulk, number 32, is uh, out this week. But if you want to catch up on the first like 24 issues or so. Which you need to. The story is fantastic. Right? Or the Star Wars comics, anything from War of the Realms. We're now in House of X and Powers of Ten in yes, Marvel Unlimited. Yes. You can get access to all those, whether it's Spider-Man book, Thor, X-Men Avengers, more. And so if you, dear listener, are not a subscriber already, we're going to get you 50% off your first month of Marvel Unlimited. You can sign up online at marvel.com slash listen. Enter the promo code MARVELITES. That's M-A-R-V-E-L-I-T-E-S. That's a Stan Lee word. I use it. I adopt it because I try to, you know, find any way I can to utilize Stan's knowledge and gifts to us. (laughs) Uh, So I always say, hello, Marvelites, but that's a Stan word. So I'm glad we're using that as our promo code. Uh, And hey, if you do subscribe, if you do sign up, 
tweet me. James, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is uh, at James and Michael Hart. And I'm at H&M. Tweet us that you signed up using our promo code. Let us know. We'll give you some suggestions, some books Most that def. we're reading. I mean, gotcha. we literally make reading lists for the various uh, things that we do here. There's tons of reading lists, but we yes. can always give you a deep dive into pretty much any character you want. Uh, and, you know, if you want to get into Cable, we're going to have a lot of books that you can read on Marvel Dude, Unlimited. This is awesome. We're going to talk to Jerry Duggan in a little bit because he is writing the brand new Cable series with yes. art by Phil Noto. Uh, so the book is out this week. It is really freaking good. So l- real quick, if you don't know who Cable is, let's let's walk you through a little bit. Okay. Cable is uh, the son of Cyclops, a.k.a. Scott Summers. Are you pro-Scott or uh, anti-Scott? I'm usually anti-Scott, but I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying okay. with all of your, with all of you and the rest of the people. I'm trying to be nicer to him, but I am. I'm oh, anti-Scott. Step on that fool. He's all right. Cool. He's okay. Like, great. You know, I'm anti-Scott. You're he's a milksop, as they say. Thank you. I also have been trying to enjoy him more in the last <laughs> yes, year. And I there, have. He can be great. Um, he can. Be. He can be great. But most of the time, if the, if the, if there's a glass of water, he's going to think it's half empty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Cable is Cyclops's son with. Madeline Pryor, who is Jean Grey's sort of magical clone, clone yeah, lady. Thing. Uh, <laughs> and so this this happened back in like 86, 80, somewhere in, in the mid 80s Yeah, uh, was when this the, the child was born. Mm-hmm. He came down with a sickness, which was the techno-organic virus. This thing is essentially a virus that spreads over the body, turns all the body parts to metal, to, yeah, to tech. Eventually, it would take over the body, and, and he'd be like a cyborg. Yeah, that's much. not good. No, at all. And so he was sent to the future, alternate future Earth four nine three five. If you are following along with this year's uh, alternate reality talks, well done. nice. Uh, and, and was sent to the future because that was the only way to save his life. Yeah. Uh, and there were people who were there to like help him and be like, "Hey, do this." So he gets sent forward. He survives, but the virus had progressed far enough along in in his body as it was so that kind of a third of his body is, is, is metal and tech which is looks really cool oh my on paper oh it is a brilliant <laughs> looks, design because you, you want to say what a terrible disease and you look at him you're like wow your arm is metal you're so cool. and your eye is like blinking it that first time i ever saw cable i was like who is that yeah it was the coolest yeah. thing like who is that dude super striking so he has the metal arm shiny eye big big guns uh i think his leg and most of his side is also i think it's his left side is yeah his left side is metal but he's also a super powerful mutant he's got telekinesis and telepathy Part of the telekinesis he uses to hold back the techno-organic virus yeah. uh, in, in some ways. So he's, like, cured but not really. Yeah, it's, it's like he, it, he's, he's, working, he's, he's working with it. Yes. That's but what, the gun, don't get me wrong, he has great powers, but the gun. Oh, though, my gosh. Does, he does so many wonderful things with the gun that he, usually, he hardly uses his powers because he's got the gun. I know. <laughs> uh, of course, give credit to the amazing design Rob Liefeld. I was, came up I was with. okay. When I close my eyes, I picture the weird, like, guns that Cable yes. has, which I love. They just, they're so of the time, so bonkers. And then all the patches, all the cool yeah, gear. And, and, Rob, like, and Rob, Rob always drew him in a way where they were, there was always an action moment. They were never still. So cool. And so he goes to the future, boom, boom, boom. Then he comes back. We are first introduced to him where he's, like white haired, he's yeah, older. He's, old, he's older than Scott when yeah. he comes. Yeah, it's it's wild. And first couple of years he came back and he was in the comics, 
he was a mystery. He was yeah. Like, nobody knew who he was. Kind of like a new Wolverine in a lot of ways. There was so much comparison to Wolverine of like it was a mystery of who he was, what he was doing there, why he wasn't just like cuddling up to the rest of the X Men, and he kind of looked at them like you messed up. It was it was a really weird moment, but it was also he was such a cool design that you just had to follow him. Yeah, and so he comes back to try to find ways to prevent that future, that basically war torn. Uh, inevitability from coming to pass. So he's like, I hate apocalypse. I hate strife. I got to stop some now. And so he, that's what he does. A lot of big hardened soldier stuff. He try he trains up the new mutants, yes. turns them into X-Force. Yes. And we have a lot of adventures with him in the time frame. One of the most important ones, in my opinion, is when he rescued uh, a mutant baby girl, the first mutant born after a, a period of sort of no mutants being born. It was seems like the end of the species. Her name was Hope. She becomes Hope Summers. Yes. And he takes her, raises her throughout time in the future. And it's just one of my favorite runs of comics of all time. Um, but in the new book, he's young again. Yeah. And which he has been for a little bit uh, since the 2018 uh, storyline Extermination, uh, where young Cable came from his time frame, killed old Cable because old Cable wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And he was like, no, old man, it's my turn. But then we get this young, sexy Cable who's here, and he's like, bling, bling, I'm ready to roll, and all this fun stuff. But now that we are in the age of Krakoa, I'm calling it the age of Krakoa. I like. Okay. We have this paradise island that is Krakoa, and mutants can come back to life, and there's all this like possibility. They're still hated and feared by... Everyone. Probably more people now, but... But the cool thing is to watch this island where people who, over history, we've watched be bitter enemies all coming together because of the fact that they are mutants and basically saying, let's just cut the BS and just try to build up our people. Yeah. And so this Cable now living more with the family that like this family unit as a whole um, has more of a full life. It's like he's yeah. a late teenager. Mm -hmm. um, he's less the grizzled, angry boy and more the cocky young dude. Who actually, that's the fun part. I'm, I'm looking forward to where they're going with this because he is young and cocky and he knows how powerful he is. Like older Cable kind of like held, didn't, didn't hold back, but he also did, there was no need for bravado yeah. because he was, he knew how badass he was. This kid is enjoying oh showing gosh. how badass he so is. So much, he's enjoying it so much. <laughs> he's also having fun being a son and being yeah. a brother. If you read yeah. the X-Men series, he's like, hanging out with his dad and his sister. It's like, kind of warms your heart a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think right now, Lorraine and I are going to talk to Jerry Duggan, writer of the Cable series about the book, and then we'll be right back. Jerry, 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 Jerry. Jerry. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. All the time, anytime, every time. All right. Yeah. Man. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Of course, you've been writing Savage Avengers, which we love. You've been writing Yay. Marauders, which we love. But you now have a cable book out. Yes. There's a new guy in town, he and he winks. <laughs> I don't know what that, that is. Should that's be his... on the cover. Yeah, that's the, the cover. second printing. Can we can we talk to the the team to put that on the second printing cover? And he's not winking on the cover for some reason, or his eyes, his eyes, <laughs> yeah, it it, it glitters, a... glitters in the dark. What is you know, we've talked a little bit about Cable in this episode already, but from your point of view, who is Cable? Well, he's, um, the fun thing about Cable is when are we talking about Cable? He's a soldier. He's a competent general. He was a great foil for, for Deadpool. 
But now, um, you know, in this, uh, what we'll call, uh, you know, the dawn of Krakoa, the mutants are receiving gifts and getting gifts, and uh, hopefully fans are also getting those gifts. This is Cable getting to live his best life that he never got a, a shot at living. You know, uh, Cyclops is getting to be a dad. You know, obviously these are mutants. There's going to be a lot of action. But, you know, I think at the moment he's trying to live a life that was robbed from him. And one of the one of the big stories that Phil and I are, are working on is, uh, is a very personal gig for Cable, and that's uh, someone is stealing mutant babies. And so we, we don't uh, we don't quite know why that's happening, but that gets under Cable's skin very quickly. So there's um, I hesitate to say teen romance and comedy, but I think that's stuff I try to put into the work all the time. But there's actually some very high stakes problems for uh, Cable to overcome. I want to address the elephant in the room, which is Cable's timeline. Where do we meet Cable? It's like a like you know the cups that you slide around yes. in circles. That's cable. I once sat down and tried to write his um, timeline down chronologically, and it's it's a mess. It, it's like trying to diffuse a bomb. There's so many. There <laughs> threads. are so many different cables and different iterations. We had X Man. We had Old Man Cable. I added a very old man cable at the end of time. You know, the, those are the big fun sci-fi ideas that you can put into a time traveler. This is less about time travel, but you can't do a cable book without a few wrinkles. So there is, uh, you're seeing different, I guess, without spoiling too much in the first issue. And you'll, you'll see why that is later. Yeah. Let, I'm curious, how did you sort out the relationship between him and Scott? Because it's such a weird relationship because they kind of didn't have a relationship, at least through his early childhood. I mean, I, I think I took my cues from from Jonathan. I think it's X-Men 2, you know, that had um, Rachel and, and Cable and, and Cyclops off on an adventure together. And it was really sweet and fun. And, you know, again, talking about gifts, it's a gift to those characters to be able to have them experience that. Right now, the mutants have not found Paradise, but created it. And... Uh, that comes with uh, the promise of those types of interactions. And that's been fun, uh, you know, uh, getting to write inexperienced heroes is a gift um, because they are more prone to mistakes. You know, Cyclops and Old Man Cable are less likely. It's not that they're any less fun, but you want to leave room for some screw-ups. Yeah. We know Deadpool showing up in the book. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> which you have some experience with. Who else do we get to see? I also think of the run with where he and Hope were on the run right. from Bishop, and you have Bishop as one of the marauders. Is there any interplay between... I mean, not that... Because this young Cable wouldn't have that experience. Yeah. But Bishop, have, like, in his head, there's got to be something. Probably something he wants to drive by. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, you know, some of these characters, um, we talk about this behind the scenes. Sometimes we talk about a character's inheritance, you know, and sometimes you're madly in love with the inheritance, and sometimes you're like, I 
can't quite make sense of how I would make sense of this here. And so there, those become things that you drive by. But in that instance with Bishop, yeah, I mean, those they have a real past. So at the moment, I actually don't think uh, cable really will fall into the marauder orbit until our July story. And that might be a chance for that to, to come up. Mm. I think that's cable five. You know, I want to pull us back all the way to the very sort of beginning. So when people see this beautiful cover, which yes. I assume is probably also by Phil Noto, I'm going to guess. Yeah, it's uh, because Phil. Because work is beautiful. Yeah, Phil kind of went away and cooked that all up on his own. Uh, you know, he made it look like a movie poster. We all fell madly in love with it. It's got these amazing Galadorian space knights. It's got a young cable, um, a, a big gun. And, uh, you know, the the X-Men right now, the, the mutants don't have a danger room. Of course, they're not living in Westchester, but there is something on Krakoa that scratches that itch. And so that's been fun to sort that in, in the first issue of Cable. You'll see what, what they're doing and what the other mutants are doing. It's pretty cool. And obviously, Phil is just supremely talented. I was saying this uh, at Chicago during C2E2 when we were showing off some new covers he's he's had to carry me around for a long time and i'm very grateful he's a, a very special comics creator so yeah he does he does the pretty stuff it makes me almost feel angry because it's so <laughs> beautiful yeah um but i'm curious when we open that we crack that beautiful cover where are we exactly picking up uh so this is probably it's all about month one on krakoa so you're these beautiful biomes have been grown from flowers and it's springtime all the time on Krakoa, so there's that's in the air. And uh, along with that comes some, some fighting. There's some loving and some fighting, and sometimes it's all it's, the same characters doing that loving and fighting. It's very springtime. Uh, it is very springtime. <laughs> Not long, um, basically in the very recent past, like a, like a week ago in the Marvel timeline, Krakoa kind of beat up a monster island. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's where the first adventure begins. Mutants uh, are not supposed to go bother Monster Island as Krakoa is kind of... I don't know if Krakoa is spooning the Monster Island or is, like, yeah, uh, is dissolving. Spoon. Yeah, yeah, I think Krakoa is a big spoon. Leave the monsters alone. The young mutants, of course, can't leave the monsters alone. And uh, Cable makes a very important discovery that will change his life in that first Cable issue. And then uh, we're going to slow burn the story of the kidnapped baby mutants. Who would kidnap baby mutants? Well, it turns out some very bad people are kidnapping baby mutants. We're starting fires all over the place at the moment. Uh, it's my job to be an arsonist <laughs> and put them in trouble. But you also have to be the fireman to put it out at the no, end. No, that's their theory. job, though. No. That's, no, like I, I arson the joint, and then they go, oh, gosh, uh, the hero's got to go in there. I, I, I'm the Lorax that speaks for the evil. So I'm, I just work through the, the villains. You know, I, I joked about this earlier, but I think, you know, I'm writing two team books and Cable was supposed to be the, like, go relax on Krakoa and let Phil do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> and I'm very happy uh, to be partnered with him again. But it has, because it's a Cable story, they are by nature uh, somewhat more difficult to sort of <laughs> plot out. So the only thing that I ever fight with my editor Jordan about really is a, is usually about the mechanics of cable stories 
But Jonathan, it went to court, our last issue, and Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan uh, voted. It was two to one, so I, I won the last one. Great job. Let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned you're writing two team books. One of the other team books is Savage Avengers. Yeah. Um, and talking about just despicable, horrible characters, cool and goth. Man, you He's are just... a monster. You're leaning into it. There, the recent issue that came out had... Um, the origin story of Cool and Goth. You know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say when Doom and Conan and Strange fought Cool and Goth in an attempt to just get rid of him, and they fought him to a standstill. Cool and Goth bled a little bit on Strange's cloak, and Strange and uh, Electra were talking about how they might be able to use that, um, and Strange sort of traveled down into the blood with his astral self, and we learned a lot about Cool and Goth. And uh, it's bad news. Yeah, Cool and Goth <laughs> is a cannibal. Yeah. Nobody will trade spells with him. He's very unpopular at his local Hogwarts. <laughs> so he eats sorcerers to gain their magic. Can you, so, like, back, like, if he was a little kid and someone was like, you know what, here, here's a spell. That could have changed the course of everything. It could have been like, you I know, know. I need some kindness. I know. If you're good to your villains, your, your story could shine. I gave Kulungath the saddest origin I thought I could, where he was a child slave in ancient Hyboria. And the, the goal was with that scene, and Butch killed it, you, you thought you were looking at Kulungath and going, oh, that's gross. That guy's, you know, engaging in the slave trade. And then it's like, oh, no, that's young Kulungath. And if you have a little bit of sympathy, you can sort of understand how he then makes some very, very cruel decisions. It doesn't absolve him of any of the stuff that he's done. But, but yeah, so Cool and Goth, I mean, the, I, my imagination was captured by those Claremont, John Romita Jr. issues of uh, X-Men that guest starred Spider-Man and the Avengers. And, uh, and so we're, that's running in the background now. And I think you'll see um, that will build to a head eventually. But at the moment, too, we're having a lot of fun, I think, We've written Conan with a lot of heroes, and now I think it's time to bring on the bad guys. Before we go, uh, we're here. We're recording this at C2E2, and here, like, the full X team yeah. is together. Or, or more or less, the full team uh, is... Yeah, we're missing Zeb, yeah. and uh, he's maybe the unnamed collaborators to to join us, join the forces eventually. But we spoke a little bit about this on the panel, but just to expand on it a little bit. Writing is a very um, solitary thing to do. Uh, you know, you talk to comic artists and they're like goofing off all day on their slacks and their whatevers and they have messages open and they're Skyping each other while they're working because they can do it. Or they're, you know, Stegman telling me he's watching a movie and inking and I, I totally get it. I would do any of that stuff if I could. But when you hear other voices, um, it it interferes anyway with my ability to like hear the voices that I'm supposed to be listening to. So I'm on like season two of Homeland, no spoilers, you know, for the last eight seasons, you know, like. But the X Men writing is a lot different because we are we we do have a group Slack and where we trade scripts and ideas and when we need help or we need suggestions everyone's there it really does feel like a writer's room and i think that's showing in the work um you know the the way that we're able to very quickly reflect and we have the release order to constantly refer to so you know i, I once called jonathan a showrunner which i think he bristled at because 
I think he's probably heard horror stories of showrunners, but the truth is he's a, a wonderful collaborator. He and Jordan are on the same page almost all the time, and when they're not, it's hilarious. Uh, so there's a lot of behind-the-scenes love. I really respect all of these writers, and I, you know, the stuff that's coming up that Leah and Vita are cooking up, Children of the Atom and X Factor are going to land hard. We're going to do something in December, too, that uh, is going to be a lot of fun that you're going to start hearing about. That's a good tease to end on. Yeah. Jerry, thank you. All right, big thanks to Jerry Duggan, of course. Read Cable Number 1, as well as his runs on Savage Avengers and Marauders. He is just crushing it right now. Living his life right now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this year, throughout uh, every episode of This Week in Marvel, we'd like to tap into a little bit of the Marvel Omniverse, find some fun alternate universe stories. And this one was the super easiest for me. I looked at my spinner rack next to my couch, and I went, where's my what-if issue where Cable has destroyed everything? And it is Earth-21993 from 1993. It is What If Cable Destroyed the X-Men? Written by Kurt Busiek, who is writer of Marvels and so many other things. This is a little bit before he really, like, bursts up into being Kurt Busiek that we know now. Uh, Art by Todd Smith. The story ends up continuing into the next issue, number 47. It's a two-parter. But I read this issue over and over and over again as a kid. It opens with Cable killing Cyclops, Jean Grey, and (laughs) Professor X while they have just, like, a really nice dinner at Tavern on the Green. (laughs) And if you don't know what Tavern on the Green is, <laughs> close your eyes, go back to the movie Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. where uh, Rick Moranis is trying to break into the restaurant and he's being chased by the the, the monster. Yes. Uh, that is Tavern on the Green. Yes. And, they, and you know the part where he's up at the window and they all look up and as he's getting destroyed, they all go back to their meals. Yep. What we find out is that Cable kills Professor Xavier because in this reality, Xavier comes back from like a stint in space a little bit early. There's this whole scene where he's like, y'all are trash. Our villains are running wild. Nobody's doing anything. People are dying. This person's catatonic. I leave for like half an hour, and you children are garbage. Cable's like, screw you, old man. I hate you. It's just a wild, wonderful. And and then Professor X is like, yeah, you, you're the worst, Cable. You're taking these little kids, and you're turning them into soldiers. He's like, yeah, they need to be. It's like... A real cool ideological conversation that turns into mayhem. What happens after that is he kills Professor Scott and Jean, and it's a domino effect. Without them there, it's sort of like pulling out the heart of the X-Men. You get a civil war almost. There's a civil war between the X-Men where one team uh, goes off to hunt Cable. One team is like, no, we can't do that. We have to continue on with the vision of the X-Men. And then basically there's just... Calamity, death, chaos. I won't spoil what happens to Cable in this storyline, but the next issue is, I think, what if Magneto took over the USA? Yeah. So I'll leave you with a little sense of what the story is all about. Where where it goes. And because you're going to sign up on Marvel Unlimited, here are some great books you can read on MU. Um, I wanted to tip off with X-Force number 8, which is from 1991 or 1992 by Rob Liefeld and Mike Mignola. So Mike Mignola created Hellboy, one of the greatest comic book storytellers of all time. This issue, I read over and over and over again as a kid. It tells a story of, like, Cable's 
future time. So it's really yeah. neat dip into future history. Then there's Cable, Blood and Metal from 1992. Which is Cable's first solo book. Yeah. It's a two-issue limited series, John Romita Jr. on art. Cable then has a long series right after that in 1993. One through nine has lots of really cool, juicy stuff digging into Cable's um, history and his future by Fabian Nicieza. So the guy who was writing those early stories alongside Rob, continuing to tell some of those things. I would suggest any of those. Then, of course, there's Cable and Deadpool, which is the full run. It's just it's just fun. You take those two personalities, like, definitely worth the read. And then the 2008 through 2010 run is 24 issues long, and this is the Cable and Hope storyline yes. that we talked about earlier. I would say read the whole run. 24 issues. You'll go through it pretty quickly. If, if nothing else, go into Marvel Unlimited. Look at the covers. There's, like, all these um, homages to different things. There's a, a an homage to Alien. You know, the, where Sigourney Weaver is holding yeah. the kid and she's got the flamethrower? That is one of my favorite covers of all time. It's Cable as Sigourney Weaver, Hope as the little kid with the giant gun. It's just <laughs> tremendous. We were on fire at that point. And then most importantly, the greatest comic book story <laughs> of all time, Executioner Song. No, you know the fans are going to hold you to that. I will fight anybody who says <laughs> I'm wrong. It is the greatest story of all time. It opens up with Cable shooting Professor Xavier in the face. The end. <laughs> do, Go from I there. Do, I do uh, remember that. It's, it's a big story. Not just Cable, but like all the, the various X teams and Apocalypse and Strife and history. And, and it is like, for me, the quintessential X-Men and Cable story. That's awesome. So that's a lot of Cable. I want to hear what you think well about done. all this stuff. But uh, it's time for our question of the week. So next week, we're going to have on legendary artist Alex Ross. Oh, and we're my gonna be favorite artist ever in life. Good. That's the attitude I want to hear. So the question of the week is, what is your favorite Alex Ross piece or story or memory? Whatever you got, you can use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twinpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. And, of course, we have some stuff from our wonderful community here. First up is Tony at T. Bizzlesworth, who says, I just started reading the House of X Powers of Ten hardcover last night. I got through the first issue of each. My brain hurts, but I need more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So my wife is currently reading these right now. And, like, I put them in order, in the correct reading order for her. And then yeah. she was like, what about this language in the back? Is that going to be a thing? I was like, yeah, it's a language. So now she's like doing what I'm doing. She pulled, I have it on my phone and on my computer, oh. a, uh, like the translation. Like so the, you know what the they're code. saying. Yeah. So I read at the end of every issue, uh, I translate whatever is written in Krakoan in order to understand oh. everything. You got to give them credit for creating a language. Yeah. And I give it two years before people are talking this language at uh, Comic-Con. Oh, man. I, yeah. I don't know how how they like vocalize it because I've never heard someone will figure it out like because Apocalypse in the books now has a glyph for his name but there's no way to say it like and I <sighs> I asked and Jordan was like no and I was like Jordan <laughs> the editor in the book he was like no I was like come no. on just tell me what it is <laughs> yeah it's brilliant stuff and then there is Nick at Nick Watching Stuff, listening to Hashtag Twim for The Commute. Uh, Lorraine and Agent M, speaking of death metal bands as face cream, this hate breed has cleared my acne right up. That's hysterical. Uh, hate breed is a metal band. I cracked up when Nick tweeted this. It made me really happy. 
because Lorraine made a joke about metal bands that we were talking about being names of face creams. That's and, awesome. Um, that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, I would definitely put some hate breed on my face and yes, just let course. it wash away the impurities. It sounds it sounds really cool because it's like the name is hate breed, but you can go, "Hi, I have acne." Hate breed, and you just. <laughs> After I used hate breed, my acne cleared right up. Hate breed, and you did the commercials ending. You know, oh my God. metal bands will hate that. <laughs> I'm gonna send that to Jamie. He's gonna <laughs> die. That's fantastic. Thank you, James. You're welcome. That uh, that's a wrap on this episode of This Week in Marvel, which was produced by Percy of Berlin, Zachary Goldberg, Ryan Panagos, and Lorraine Sink. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to JMI for being in here. I am so glad to be here. And now that I'm a lord, I will take over. Yeah, Lord JMI. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm James. This is Marvel. Your universe.